And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WoWo, 107.5 FM all this week. Pat is on vacation. All right. We are talking about the raid on Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. And I know that I'm throwing a lot of information at you. I understand that. But this is this is extremely important. And, it, you know, I think when you talk about Caesar's Rubicon, I don't think that that is an overstatement. I really don't. And I wanted to bring in some some expertise, some legal help here. So joining us right now is Sarah Perry, senior legal fellow over at the Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Just, uh, Judicial Studies over at the Heritage Foundation. Sarah, thank you so much for the time. I know that this is a bit last minute, but I appreciate you joining the show. Thanks for having me. All right. I want to get your initial legal assessment here of what happened and tell my audience that I'm just a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist and that all the things that I've said <laughs> couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> well, what this uh, situation apparently concerns is Trump's maintenance of classified documentation after he left the White House. Now, the Federal Records Act indicates that anyone who is in possession of classified government materials has to surrender them at the end of their term or their service with the federal government, and those are housed eventually by the National Archives. Well, mm -hmm. allegedly, what we are hearing is that there were maintenance of documents that were still classified at his personal residence in Mar-a-Lago. That was purportedly the evidence out upon which a U.S. magistrate judge swore a search warrant for the FBI under the leadership of Christopher Wray to go in and to, with the cooperation of the Secret Service, who opened the doors for them, to go in and gather up a number of materials, including materials that were purportedly kept within a safe uh, in the former president's office. Now, we have since learned that Cash Patel, who is a high-ranking Trump administration official at the Defense Department, uh, has told one of our news sources that Trump had previously declassified all the documents he had at Mar-a-Lago while he was still president. So that's certainly one of the unilateral and broad authorities that a sitting president has before right. they leave office is to declassify certain informational documentation. And Patel actually said that White House counsel failed to generate the paperwork to change the classification but it didn't mean that the information wasn't declassified. Um, Patel actually said he was there with the president when he said, we are declassifying this information. Now, we have yet to see whether or not someone who is in the White House counsel's office supports that account and can verify that indication. But if that's the case, then the material that the warrant was sworn out upon, the affidavit saying we believe there are XYZ issues here, sufficient to get a warrant, may not actually be a valid warrant in the first place. There has to be, of course, as you know, probable cause right. to be able to swear out a search warrant. And yes, search warrants are sworn out on maintenance, criminal maintenance of documentation and classified material all the time. But this type of a search the raid of a former president's home is unprecedented. So it will ultimately be determined here by the affidavit, the evidence upon which the FBI went to the magistrate judge and said, we need a search warrant. What ultimately I would ask for, and I think some of the other legal scholars here are of like mind on this, let's see the affidavit. 
turn over the affidavit that supported the search warrant in the first place, obviously redact information on confidential sources, Mm -hmm. but let us know what we are to believe about the reason you went in in the first place and what that sworn affidavit actually says. I think that's going to shed a lot of much-needed light on this situation. Yeah, because, I mean, the FBI would never, ever, um, you know, submit anything falsely or without proper evidence and maybe misleading court or something. like That would never happen. Um, okay, so this that actually, what you said actually addresses one of the things. Because I've been hearing from the very beginning that Trump was allowed to have the documents that he had the authorities knew about this back in June. They asked him to secure them better. Um, and apparently he didn't meet those criteria and a raid happens instead of a grand jury subpoena. Why right. a raid instead of a grand jury subpoena, though? Well, I think we know the answer to that question. It's very clear that this administration has weaponized the application of criminal justice to its purported adversaries and has turned the other way when it goes to its friends. I give you Hillary Clinton, 33,000 emails and destroyed servers in her personal home in Chappaqua, New York. I also give you Hunter Biden's laptop and the criminal ongoing enterprise he was involved with with China. Nothing transpires when it's a particular Democratic operative, but when the tables are turned, particularly when it comes to a candidate that may be running again in 2024 against this same president. This is an administration that has flesh in the game of attempting to stymie his efforts at running again for political office. And one of the things that has been circulating in the Twitter sphere is a portion of the U.S. Criminal Code, Section 2071, and that goes to any officer or person holding any office under the United States to mismanage classified or government property Mm -hmm. or documentation. And some people have said, hey, listen, if he violated Section 2071, he is definitely not going to be able to run for president again. But what I would say, the Supreme Court has made very clear under two cases, the most recent of which is a case called U.S. Term Limits versus Thornton, that Congress and the states cannot add to the express qualifications for federal seats in Article One of the Constitution. Okay. So in other words, you can't say that mismanagement of classified information, assuming for argument's sake that's exactly what happened, even if that is not a disqualifying situation for the president's presidential run purportedly in 2024. In fact, what this Department of Justice may have actually done is galvanize Trump's base within a few minutes, we know he had supporters outside the Mar-a-Lago gates, yeah. and obviously the Twitter sphere is absolutely agog at what happened. If anything, I think what this has done is inject the potential of his running again in 2024 with some much-needed energy because this administration continues to come for him over and over again without anything to support it. I think a lot of people are looking at the video that Trump released today on Truth Social. And they're like, well, this seems like he's running again. I mean, this is the thing, too. This kind of goes back to, like, the moment when Trump was like, I'm going to run. It was when Obama kind of made fun of him, right? And then all of a sudden, that's what a lot of people, you know, point back to. Obama made fun of him at the uh, the gala. And next thing you know, Trump is running and he's in the White House and that sort of thing. And even if Trump was considering not running now, if he was just going to focus on, you know, true social and the media empire that he's building then maybe something like this would actually be a catalyst for him to say, all right, that's it. I'm getting back in this thing. 
And if yeah. nothing else, they could have very well pushed him into it when he was kind of teetering. And I think it was a lot of marketing. I wasn't even sure that I haven't been convinced up until this point that Trump is actually going to run again. But I, yeah. now maybe he will because we know he's a he's a spiteful individual. And if somebody Absolutely. somebody tries to keep him from doing anything, he's just going to do it. Um, I wanted to address something else with you, too. And again, we are talking with Sarah Perry, a senior legal fellow over at the Heritage Foundation. There is something that Paul Sperry posted on social media saying that the DOJ just barely met the 90-day rule for issuing warrants, subpoenas, indictments before an election. Uh, does that have any validity in this case at all? <laughs> it's very interesting you should bring that up. Again, to talk about the fact that this is very much driven by political gamesmanship and who is foe and who is friend under this administration. We've seen tactics with this president that we also saw in the Obama administration, yes. and I give you Lois Lerner's IRS, mm -hmm. and the distinct targeting based on conservative or religious perspectives of nonprofit organizations who were suddenly finding themselves audited in droves. I will say that is distinctly something that I think will have a bearing on midterm elections. They barely met the 90-day timeline, but this is an administration, I believe, that's throwing everything at the wall in the hopes that it'll stick before the November season because they have a pursued nothing short of the most aggressive policy and regime reforms that we've seen in the modern era. And we did think things were significant. It was a great expansion of the administrative state and sexual politics, religious hostility under the Obama administration. We've seen that precise methodology here, except on steroids. So again, I think this is ultimately a president whose agencies are doing everything they can to ensure that not only Republicans, but particularly this Republican, does not stand a fighting chance in the elections, I think ultimately they're going to find that they're disappointed. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you did that, because one of the things I like to point out is that the Obama administration and the Biden administration operate pretty much the same way. And let's not forget the IRS uh, destroyed illegally a bunch of hard drives in that case and others yeah. when they were required to turn them over, and they didn't get raided by the FBI for failure to handle uh, classified information and things like that appropriately. Uh, right. The other the other thing I, I wanted to point out, too, is that one of the, I call it the Obama defense. Everybody in the, in the Obama administration was a senior official, including the attorney general at the time. They would always just say, we didn't have any idea that this was happening. Obama would say, I didn't know my attorney general was doing this. I read about it in the paper just like you did. The White House has issued a statement saying that Biden had no idea that this raid was going to happen. And Sarah, I just do not believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that the attorney general would raid the previous political opponent of Joe Biden and the potential future opponent of Joe Biden without running it by him first. Do you? I No, I don't. And I think what we need from the president, if he does want to dispatch with the rumors that he was in full awareness of the fact that this raid was going to take place is to issue a public statement or to hold a press conference so that he can ultimately clear the record on that one way or the other. But the fact that we've seen nothing except a few weak representations from the White House press secretary doesn't, I think, sort of quell what the public is feeling and thinking about this. Regardless of whether or not you find the president to be an effective leader or a feckless leader based on his age, his con continual infection with COVID, his advanced sort of policy progressions into the realm of madness, regardless of those, if he wants to dispatch with the rumors and clear the record once and for all that this was above his pay grade, that Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland went off on their own to do this, 
He needs to make a public statement. He needs to appear in public and he needs to make that representation for all of that to be put to rest. Do you think that the uh, we're hearing that they opened his personal safe, Trump's personal safe at Mar-a-Lago and that nothing was in there? Do you think that that is extremely relevant to this case? Because they're making a big deal about that. You know, I do think it's relevant to this case, and I'll tell you why. That search warrant uh, distinctly, unless it was written out in such a way as to be vague and ambiguous under the law, but if this magistrate judge knew what he was doing, and I would imagine for a sitting president, he would want to make sure that the administrative form and procedure for a search warrant within his district is well buttoned up, that finding a safe, a personal safe to be empty when in fact you've got a warrant indicating that you're going in to search that personal safe, I do think it's relevant because what it does is weaken the Department of Justice's claims that they were illicit classified materials in his house or on his person. Again, finding nothing but believing there to be at least probable cause that there was an an indication of paperwork or government materials, government property within the safe and finding none. Again, the, the case that the DOJ is fronting here is appearing weaker and weaker by the minute. Sarah Perry, Senior Legal Fellow with the Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much for the time. Again, I know it was very last minute today, and I appreciate you making the time to come on the program. Thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate it. All right, folks, we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, Wobo 107.5 FM.